Welcome to Resting Witch Face, your one-stop pond for all things spooky, bitchy, and more. I'm Bailey Bennett. I'm embarrassed for you. I'm so sorry. And Grant Jacoby. Um, this is our 25th freaking episode. Our 25th. It's like, is, is that a silver? Nope, that's 40. Is there any sort of anniversary? I, Just, I, or it's our 25th? I've, I've been alive for 25 years. I cannot tell you. Oh, it's, so it's our golden episode because yeah. it's because you're 25 and it's you're older than that. I'm Just kidding, babe. 90. Uh huh. Um, no, this is very exciting. I, you know, truly, when we started this, did I did I know if we were going to make it to 25? Like, I don't know. I actually have a very specific memory of being like, let's record, let's make sure that we record at least 10. Mm-hmm. Like, let's make sure that like we have at least like we can look back on it and be like, wow, that was a cool thing we did. We did 10 episodes. Like, I think it was like it could be like our first season and we could go away for a while. Right. But we didn't have to go away. I know. Well, uh. I mean, because we chose not to because we <laughs> <laughs> like chatting together every week, whether you're fucking listening or not. No. And I just I'm, I'm not to get like schmaltzy because I don't I don't like having feelings, but it's been so amazing to see the number of viewers we have grow every week and the number of people that follow us on Instagram and Twitter, RWF podcast, <laughs> um, and send us emails at rwfpodcast at gmail.com. Got a, got a pander, got a plug. Yeah, no, people say such nice things. It's crazy. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I've said this like a hundred times before, but especially just to honor episode 25 that we're not doing this in a vacuum, even though we're recording this in our apartment. Mm-hmm. Not our, not the apartment that we share together. We're back in my apartment this week. It's <laughs> fun. Uh, so, thank you guys. Thank you, Bailey. As oh I gaze God. gaze at you across <laughs> thank the, this you. pillow that divides us. Yeah, it, our our sound is very um, professional. Yeah, our setup this week is you can tell the unique. Everything about us is professional. Professional. Yes. Um, I have um you have a few a, things to share this. Yeah, week. please. So the first thing I just wanted to, I wanted to give y'all a little TV recommendation Oh my god! because yes. you know, you know how much we love watching love TV. television. Um, that was, <laughs> someone asked me recently, like, what do you do in your free time? And I was like, I'm so sorry. What do you mean? I Netflix, Netflix. I rest. I, I rest. I watch TV. I eat. I sleep. That's is, do people yeah. do other things besides that? I mean, now we have a podcast, but. but... But we can still... I mean, we're literally... I'm like, we're just sitting. Yes. Sitting and talking. I think that it's it's something that happens, I think, around age... I think it happened to you a little earlier because you were a little more of a a chill gal always. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> I, like you, okay. you were, I feel like you were never a huge partier mm, oh, in college. Like a little true. bit. Yes. Um, But I think for me, I noticed it right around age 24 where there was like the college afterglow had worn off and there wasn't this, there didn't feel like this pressure to like, 
was, I think it was about the time that you realized you didn't have to do things you didn't want to do. And there exactly. wasn't, it was like, oh, it's Saturday night. Like, got to do something. Like, yeah. got to go have fun. There was like, well, how about I do what I want to do, which is yeah, that's my nothing. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about living and being a human is that you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I mean, you do have to do some things like pay taxes and like make money, but you do not have to go to Harlem, no offense, Grant. <laughs> as, we're, as we're recording in Harlem. <laughs> in Harlem. Um, but you do not have to go to Harlem on a Saturday night at 11 p.m. for someone's birthday and like stay for two hours and make an appearance and then go back no, to your apartment, no, no, which no, no, takes no. you an hour and a half to get home too. You don't. Yeah, and I think that... <laughs> you can just be really antisocial and have no friends. Well, I think that... It, well, I think it's a balance. And this is something that my boyfriend and I have talked about is like, I think that it's just as important to be social and do things as it is to be antisocial and not do things. I think it's yes. like, it's about having a balance. And for me, I'm like 25% social and 75% like want to do nothing. Yeah. But I think that's because I, and I think that you and I are both in professions that take a lot out of us because it's like an yeah. artistic, you know, like, like we're constantly like, we're constantly on when yeah. we're working and yeah. when we're not, you don't want to do anything. No, at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, I did I did enough. I just want to sit yeah. here and watch TV, which is, sorry, where where I started this. Oh, yeah, rant. sorry. I, I, no, I, I, I literally took that rant and I like pushed it and like, no, let's talk, like, let me justify why I haven't gone to out to a bar <laughs> in like two months. Yes, um, that's totally fine. I I just wanted to say I, I've been watching um, The Magicians on hmm. which is a sci-fi show that the first two seasons are on Netflix um, The third, I think we're right around the finale of the third season. Is that a CW no. show? No, so it's a sci-fi oh, show. Oh, oh literally like sci-fi. Sci-fi oh. the network sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, no it's it's um, it's been around for a couple of years and it it's basically a, like a combination of Harry Potter and the Chronicles of Narnia but it, because it takes place at like a magical school, but there's this like other worlds that they go to, which is very similar to Narnia, but it's also the characters are, it's like a magical grad school. So picture Harry Potter, but with like a lot more like sex and drugs and like. So what my grad school experience has been like. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I know how much you've been perfecting your spell casting. Yes. And my sex and drug use. Yes. Um, so. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like amazingly well done, but um, it's really fun. And it's like, I can't stop watching it. And I feel like a lot of our listeners can kind of like are pro probably enjoy this kind of genre as I do. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of like d demons and, and magic and gods and witch witches Ooh. and like all this yes. different stuff. Um, and the characters are fun and it's based off of. Uh, book series that a lot of people love, although I've heard it's very different from the books. Nice. But um, yeah, it's it's a really fun series. The only thing that is annoying about it is it's it really is like very similar to other like magical franchises, as I explained. Like like the Magic Attic Club. No, like it's it's like. Do you very, remember those books? No, great. It's very similar to Harry Potter and to Narnia, and Fuck. it it constantly like 
keeps making references to Harry Potter. Like they keep, they, they've like called people muggles in the show to just be like, we're self-aware. Like we know we're kind of copying it, but haha, like this is so funny. Wait, wait, wait. Like, does it exist in the same world as Harry Potter or they reference the fact that the Harry Potter like books and movies exist? They reference the fact that the Harry Potter books and movies exist. As if it's Ugh. just like cool and chill. And like that annoys me. Okay, that's like the fucking Riverdale complex. It's mm-hmm. like you don't have to like reference every sort of pop Piece culture of pop moment culture. Yeah. to like seem relevant and to seem woke. Right. And especially if you do the like, I don't know if it was Riverdale or if it was like Lana SVU, but like, no, it was, it was Riverdale that changed Grinder, the the gay dating. Mm-hmm. I, I use dating loosely, the gay sex app to yeah. Humper. Oh, wow. I'm pretty okay. sure it was Riverdale. Yeah, no, they just went, they just visited a, an, a workplace called Fuzzbeat. Nope. On Bye. the magicians where they, they were like, yeah, they do like serious, no serious news and cat videos. It's like really weird. Okay. Guys. Fuzzbeat. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, like <laughs> watch the show, I'm recommending the show, but yeah, just take, take it with a grain of salt. It's like not amazing, but a lot of parts of it are so fun. Just loop it back. I think that just as much as important to like be social and be antisocial, it's also important to have those guilty pleasure yeah. TV shows, movies, books, whatever it is. Because I think there's something very important about having mindless entertainment. For me, it's Real Housewives. Mm. Yeah, I'm not like a big reality person, but... I wasn't until recently. Yeah. It's for me, it's Real Housewives and RuPaul's Drag Race. Although I think RuPaul's Drag Race actually is like <laughs> an, it's an, like an, an art form. Show, yeah. um, but like... Or even like watching trashy shows like Gossip Girl or right. um, or Riverdale or mm. let me just let me see how many like different shows and like people in the entertainment industry I might offend in like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's our brand. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway. I love it. Actually, I've been watching a show that also um, maybe listeners might enjoy that was also recommended from a very important podcast to us, my fair murder. Um, Ooh, I've never mentioned them before. Nope. Um, is a uh, real detective. Oh yeah. I've never seen that. It's really interesting. So the format is, it's kind of like if you combined unsolved mysteries with, I survived where it's like, the you tr- have my wet dream. <laughs> so you have, you have real detectives like, mm-hmm. and they're, they're telling like right to the camera, the stories of, like the, basically the most important case in their career. But then you have reenactments, but it's like reenactments done with like actual actors, not just like reenactors. That's nice. So it's like actors you've seen on Dollhouse and um, oh, cool. Battlestar Galactica. And yeah, um, yes, Battlestar. That was actually the same actor. I just know that he okay. um, was on both. <laughs> um, or Final Destination. Like they're, they're people that you recognize. So it actually like has this like elevated feel that it's not, you're just like, Oh, this is someone's like big break. And it's like this like fuzzy, right. like sepia tone reenactment. Um, and they're super fucked up cases and some that I knew about, some I didn't know about. Um, just a quick plug. It's just, it's also a quick, like 16 episode binge. Cool. Yeah. So go check those out guys. Yeah. But while you're here, let's talk about some more spooky shit because yeah, we, we've received some great emails, but there's one Ugh. that I want to read to you today from our friend Liz. Yes. Um, I've actually like heard about this story before she even emailed it to us and how it's like really good. Um, so I'm going to read it to you. So this happened, she says, about a year ago um, at Jacob's Pillow, which mm, is like mm-hmm. a dance what retreat kind of 
center. Yeah, it's well, it's a it's a really premier uh, retreat, like residency retreat and um, performance venue in Western Massachusetts. It's like very very profound. I've applied to show work there for about five years in a row. Still, just actually got an email two days ago that I was denied. So cool. Let me lean in into the story. Okay, cool, great. Um, so she's there. She was housed with David um, and the band director, whose name is Sam, mm-hmm. at an isolated place about a mile up the road from the other houses and the performance space. Wait, I love this because I know all these people. Yeah, I, I know nothing, but whatever. The first night, I slept fine. The next day, I overheard one of the dancers describing being woken up in the middle of the night and there being someone there. Being the giant scaredy cat that I am, I had a lot of trouble sleeping that night, but nothing strange to speak of happened. The next day, Sam and I started to poke around the house and realized that our rooms connected through a little door in the corner of my room. Mm -mm. Uh, Like an Alice in Wonderland door? Like, hopefully. (gasps) When we opened the door, we were instead in a vestibule with a staircase that led to a second floor we didn't realize existed. Are you kidding? Oh my God. So, again, I'm afraid of everything, so I did not visit the murder attic. (laughs) But, like, if you found a second floor, would you you really just be like, I'm not even going, like... I uh, I would have to go, I feel like I'd have to go check it out to be able to sleep that night. I don't know what I would do, because I'm thinking about this right now, like, in theory, like, secret room, fuck yeah, let's see what's in there. But Mm -hmm. also I'm thinking about, like, I hate cobwebs, I hate spiders, like, I don't, like... mm. yeah. I'd be more scared of that than like of like someone I'm just hiding. I'm really scared in there. of like the dust. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay. Um, so that night, I woke up at 4 a.m. to creaking above my head. There were no other companies on the campus that week, so things were way too quiet. There was no Wi-Fi or phone service. No 30 Rock or the Office to comfort me. Like, <gasps> that's the scariest part. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> girl, how did you survive? Um, that should be an episode of I survived. Wow. Yeah. I laid there and waited for the sun to come up for the next few nights. I woke up at the same exact time every night to creaking above me, moving across the ceiling. I decided to try sleeping in the living room where I saw shadows and movement in the kitchen and heard tapping on the window. I told my friend Zeb what I was experiencing, and he said he didn't believe in ghosts. That was the general response. Oh, Liz, you're crazy and afraid of the dark, which I am. I let it go and decided it was all in my head. Girl, it wasn't. Yeah. I'm here for you. The day I left, Zeb's wife and daughter came up and they all stayed in the house I'd been in. His wife, uh, Megan, was feeling sick, so she slept in my room. Zeb and his daughter slept in David's room. Other details of note, there was a boom box in the kitchen with a lone disco cassette tape. Okay. Uh, she says, this is the email I received the following day. I, I'm freaking out. <laughs> Okay, the subject, creepy AF. Okay, dudes. So now I know what you were up against this week. Here goes. I made a point of not mentioning anything to Megan and Mira about the murder basement or the creepy attic or the hauntedness of buildings on the JP campus so as not to freak them out last night. Megan, who was the the wife who was sick, Mm -hmm. decided to sleep in the room you were in, Liz, because she's been having coughing fits at night and didn't want to keep us up. Mira and I slept in David's room. I didn't sleep well because all night long I heard Megan walking around the house in the hallway outside our room, in the kitchen, in the living room. I thought, poor Megan, she's going to be exhausted. When we got up this morning, 
before I could ask her how she was feeling, she asked, did you get any sleep last night? I said, a little, did you? And she said, not much. I heard you walking around all night. Okay, now I'm feeling a little skeeved out when she says, I even called out to you because I swore you were right outside my room. Now I'm creeped the fuck out. And then she says, the only time I got up last night was at 2 a.m. to turn off the stereo because I suddenly heard disco music. (laughs) And then it says, disco? What the fuck? If she had said, I suddenly heard classic rock or I suddenly heard the sweet sound of sticks, I could have written that off as some weird timer setting, but it was the goddamn tape that started playing. Again, what the fuck? I still don't believe in ghosts, but what I do believe is that there's an axe murderer or a disco fan or an ask murderer, ask axe murdering disco fan living in that creepy murder bedroom. And he's most assuredly wearing a creepy clown mask. Needless to say, we got the hell out of there. And then Liz says, apparently Jacob's pillow was a stop on the Underground Railroad and many dancers of color have reported visitings while staying at the large house closer to the performance space. I'm not sure if there's any juicy research to be done, but I wanted to share my brush with the spirit world and the vindication I felt in the face of all the non-believers. I'm going to fucking barf. (laughs) That is so fucking scary. Oh my God. I can't imagine. I would have left. I would have left. Like, I don't know. I like, I don't even know. That is one of the scariest stories I think I've ever heard. Yeah. When you're just like, when you're talking to your significant other and you're like, oh, you were making all that, all that noise. And they're like, Like, oh no, you were making all that noise. And you're like, (gasps) nope. It was a third party. Like. I have chills like every, on every single inch of my body. Because the thing is that it's like, it would be one thing if it was like a ghost, but that could have literally been like a person mm-hmm. who is living Who's in li- that upstairs. That's, that's, oh, it's like the Spider-Man of Denver. Oh my God. Shut. I can't even like, I can't get it. I can't get into that. Little teeth chattering. Oh my God. I'm so glad that all those people like made it out alive. That's horrifying. Thank you, Liz for, thank you, Liz. I'm not going to sleep in my apartment tonight. Uh-uh. Um, oh my God. Wow. 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 I'm loving these emails that we've been I know, getting, please guys. Please keep sending yeah, them to us. Please keep them coming. We love them. We we love being freaked out. We really. love them so much. And also, as of note, just like the way that we've kind of been doing it is one of us will pick an email and read it together, but we actually purposely don't read them ahead read of them like, like ahead of time. We like, try to keep it fresh. So the responses you hear are actually kind of genuine. Real time. Real time scares. <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm feeling frisky this episode. Yeah. Okay, great. Do you do you want to get into your badass bitch? I do. Okay. I've oh, I'm so excited to do this one. Good, because I feel like it's it's really really on brand for this podcast. Tell um, me, my badass bitch of the week is uh, Michelle McNamara. Okay, yes. Who, for those of you who don't know, she was an amazing true crime writer. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away about two years ago. And she, but after she passed away, she, uh, she, uh, so she wrote this amazing blog called True Crime Diary and, um, where she covered a a bunch of different cold cases. I think cold and hot. And warm. And And tepid. Um, but the case that really, really was the most important to her that was about the, uh, killer that she dubbed the Golden State Killer, which was the, uh, East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker who terrorized mm-hmm. uh, Southern California between the 60s and 70s and was linked to be the same person, which she dubbed the Golden State Killer. And she wrote this amazing book about the case called I'll Be Gone in the Dark, 
which I just read. And it is so fucking well-written and so beautifully done because what she does that's really amazing is that she she's able to take a true, the, the kind of a true crime writing and make it seem like it's a novel. That's amazing. I, mean, and the, I want to read it so badly. Do you, want, you can borrow it. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's so written. It's filled with such detail. The amount of research that she did to write about this, um, this case and which is still unsolved, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I mentioned, so it's these two kind of what were considered localized attacks that have been linked. It's this unidentified man who committed up to like 50 rapes and at least 10 murders. And he, Jeez. he would target, he started with, with, with women, just single housed women, but um, moved on to couples oh. and his kind of MO, M- I was gonna say motif. <laughs> Sorry. His MO was he would, um, he would tie up the man and like leave plates on his back Oh and then God. take the woman to another room and rape rape her. And he would say to the man, like, if I hear the plates move or, like, crash, <gasps> then I'll kill your wife. Oh, my God. It's, but then he would kill them anyway. Well, he, he eventually he moved on to murder, okay. I think, as a way of... Because, like, he just was escalating in his... Oh, my God. But it's it's so, it's so fucking disturbing. But it's, like... And, and the thing is, like, I'm not a squeamish person. And even reading this book, there were a couple times where I had to be, like, oh. Mm. But it's because what Michelle does is so smart is that she doesn't hold back from, from gruesome details, but she does it in a way that doesn't feel exploitive. So she's not, ex- she's not taking these hor- horrific things that happen to these people. It's kind of like how not, I'm not saying that I did this at all, but we, when we did the satanic murder, mm-hmm. ritual murders a couple weeks ago, and I was saying, I think it's actually important to say what happened to these people because it's a way of like understanding what they went through. And it's not just like there's a name on right. a roster For of victims. Sure. She does it with such poise and grace that is still heart wrenching and heartbreaking and horrifying, but still, it it it, it illuminates something about this this case that isn't talked about. I never heard of it. Yeah, I don't. I think never I have. heard of it. It's because he was dubbed when he was dubbed the original Night Stalker. There's already another one, isn't well, there? Well, the Night Stalker was Richard Ramirez, which right. happened later, and so he, he. This is this case that went cold in like ni- 1986, and it's just been this guy's been in the wind ever since, and. People were saying that, like, the fact that she, like, dubbed him the Golden State Killer is, like, part of the reason that it came back into the news because Mm -hmm. it just, like, clarified for people that this was, like, another case they needed to know about. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's something that's, it's, it's, like, this is a a guy that that should be caught and should be studied just the way the Zodiac and Ted Bundy and Jack the Ripper, like, any number of serial killers Mm -hmm. because he wreaked such havoc and kind of just, like, disappeared and what Michelle did was so incredible and she devoted so much of her life to researching it. And it, it's, it's, it's also like that much more poignant and hard to read because she passed away while writing the book. So yeah. it, some it, of it, the parts are like based off of her notes. Right? Yeah. Based off her notes and her, um, her husband, Patton Oswald, mm-hmm. um, has writes a beautiful afterward mm-hmm. about her. Um, and what's really, really amazing is actually like towards in the book, they quote Michelle and they say that, you know, she, all that she wanted was for him to get caught and she didn't care if she was the one to do it, but she wanted someone to do it. And I really just hope that this book, I hope someone does it. I know I'm like for her, for her, and for the victims, for the, for her and for the victims. And she gave the victims a, 
platform to tell their story and to hopefully get this motherfucker caught because he was a he's a true piece of shit. Yeah. Um, with a small dick, apparently. <laughs> um, Perfect. That's actually one of the, the as it should be. the loose the <laughs> things that connect the cases. Um, and I think that she was an amazing person that I wish I had known more about before she um, passed away. And I think that she's someone, an amazing writer. Check out I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's a, an incredible read. Or check out True Crime Diary. She was an amazing person. And I'm really, really grateful that the world is now able to appreciate her research and her incredible writing. That's such a good one. I'm glad that you that you brought her up. Yeah. And I really want to read that. Um, mine, I'll, this week I'll keep brief. I feel like I am taking a badass bitch that should be yours because I, um, mine this week is Renee Zellweger, but like specifically because I'm thrilled about the upcoming Judy Garland (laughs) biopic that she's starring in. You're right. This is very on brand. And I mean, like, I honestly hope that you can like contribute to this conversation because you know, I'm sure buckets more about Judy Garland than I do. Um, but I personally just like, love Renee Zellweger and love that she's been in the news lately because I truly think she's an incredible performer. And I'm not embarrassed to say that Bridget Jones's diary is one of my favorite things in this world. Oh my God. It is. She is fantastic. She's so fantastic in it. And she, she like really committed to that character. And I think like lived in the UK for months beforehand anonymously just to like get into the character, like one of those method people, but it's Bridget Jones is such a relatable character to me. And it's very loosely based off of Pride and Prejudice, which is my favorite book. Bringing it back really? to Jane Austen again. I love that book. Well, Jane Austen Jane from Austin. last week. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm really excited for her and I hope that that's, yeah. that she gives a really amazing performance, which I feel like she will, but yeah, I'm really curious about it because, as Bailey has hinted at, I'm a huge Judy Garland fan. Garland fan. Um, can't even pronounce her name. Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been, a, ever since I was a little kid and I watched The Wizard of Oz, I actually remember like very vividly being like way too young. I remember so vividly my mom being like, well, she died when she was really young. And I was like traumatized oh my for God. it because I was like, oh my God, Dorothy is dead. Yeah. Like not realizing she died. I mean, she still died way too young, but she died like in her late forties. That's like like how I feel about Natalie Wood, like watching West Side Story when I was a little girl and being like, Oh no, she was like probs murdered by her, her husband. That case. Oh, that case. Christopher Walken. (laughs) Any, anything involves murder and Christopher Walken. And anyway, anyways, um, no, I'm really excited. I hope that it's an, it's a great film. Um, cause she has like a really interesting and like tragic story, right? Judy. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, she was a child star, but, um, it was back in the days, I mean, in the early 1900s, when people didn't really understand how drugs worked. Mm-hmm. So she, at a, starting around age nine, she was given uppers to wake up in the morning oh and God. downers to go to sleep. Shut up. Because she, her, and by her mother, because like she had to work. Oh, my God. They were God. like pimping her out to films. So she really didn't have a chance, and she was yeah. addicted to drugs from a very, very early age through what, which was what led to her death of a, of a drug overdose. But right. she was one of the most immense talents I feel like this is now becoming a, what a badass no, bitch like, Judy Garland was. No, seriously. No, because she, the thing is that she had a talent that she wasn't one of those people that was like, I'm doing this because I have a passion for it and I'm talented at it. She did it. Like she was quoted in later in her life saying like, what keeps me going is my fans. I do this for them. Mm-hmm. I do this because it makes them happy and it gives them joy. 
And I think that's like, I feel she was a very selfless performer and entertainer and she was taken from us too soon. And I really hope this, this film ends up being something really great and honors her and honors. Cause there's nothing worse when you hear about like a biopic that's kind of like, right. (laughs) Which is, most of them, let's be honest. Yeah. And I feel like Renee use, could use a good, like... Yeah, and I think she can do it. Like I, I think she can, too. I, I will say, when I first heard about it, I was kind of like, eh, but then I was thinking, like, she was amazing in Chicago. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'll be most curious to hear, like, how she sings it, because mm-hmm. Judy Garland had a, has a very, very, very unique voice. Yeah. Um, And not to say that Renee's, Renee Zellweger doesn't, but, like, it just is a different... I don't know. I'll be, I'll be very interested to see how it turns out. And I'm very excited. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I'm like, no, beaming. I'm, I'm, like, I'm glad that you could speak to that. And I think that Renee and Judy can share the crown this week. Fuck um, yeah. Three baddest bitches. That's right. Yeah. Why, why, why leave it to why two? Why not? Why not take a crazy chance? Why not do, do a crazy, do a crazy dance? dance? Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. We're like finishing each other's sentences. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, anyway, baby, um, is it time? It's time. It's time. Okay, I'm very excited about the story this week. Um, we're going. We're gonna go a little back in time a little bit. Okay. We're gonna go to 16th century Germany. Okay. We're going. We're going way back. Uh huh. And I'm gonna talk to you today about the werewolf of yep. Bedburg. Yes. Grant, this is everything. <laughs> Thank I'd you. like to say that it, it is Bedburg, and I'm going to definitely refer to it as Bedbug at some point. Okay. It's not on purpose as you nor for, for the joke, but it's because um, it's hard to read off an iPad. Okay, cool. Um, I would just like to say that most slash all of this has been taken from CNET.com and ModernFarmer.com. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, as I said, 16th century Germany. That's the 1500s, by the way. Thank you. I often need to remind myself that. Well, for those of you who don't know, I believe it was like in our first episode where Grant and I had a lengthy discussion about like what century matches up with which years. And yeah, then we cut it all out because we sounded like fucking idiots. It's, well, it's one of those things that's always really bothered me that like the 19th century is the 1800s. Yeah. And I always want to be like, why can't it just line up? But neither here nor there. So this story is about Peter... Mm, I'm going to butcher German names. I think it's probably Stube. Stube. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Stub. I'm going to say Stub. S-T-U-B-B-E. Okay. Yeah, just say Stub. That's stub. fine. Um, or it's Stup, Stump, or Stumpf, depending on the source. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just any, any yeah. of the above. Um, we're going to say Stub. And he was a prosperous farmer who lived just outside Bedburg, which was a small city in Germany's Rhineland, then part of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, it was a time of upheaval with Protestants fighting Catholics and a whole like, lot of other power struggles. Um, the area where Stubb lived was, had most recently been devastated due to the uh, Cologne War. Oh, yeah. It's Cologne? Yeah. Okay. Also known as the Sewer War, mm-hmm. which apparently the, this name derived from a battle in which uh, Catholic forces stormed a castle through its sewer systems. Yum. I didn't know this. Um, the sewer war, which lasted from 1583 to 1588, began as a small-time conflict in Cologne over whether the prince of the city, who had just been converted to Protestantism, could force the conversion of his subjects. Soon, Spanish troops and Italian mercenaries were brought in on the side of the Catholics, while monetary support from France and England poured in for the Protestants. 
this is not I'm, that yeah, important. I'm having just, flashbacks to high school. Are history, you? Because for me, I was like, okay, was, high school is a long time ago for me. Um, I mean, for both of us. Uh, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. Okay. Um, this war, the sewer war, was just a warm up for a much bigger, longer. 30 Years War from 1618 to 1648, which was both a religious and politically motivated conflagration, obviously it's cut and paste, involving several European countries that began as a fight between Catholics and Protestants within the Holy Roman Empire, which then turned into a struggle between the House of Bourbon in France and the, and the Habsburgs of Austria. Okay. Basically. What do we need to take away from this? This was a time of turmoil. major turmoil, okay. political, social unrest. Okay. So people are roll on edge. Okay. So, it was at this time, the sewer war, mm -hmm. that townspeople in Bedburg began turning up dead. Yes. There was talk of a wolf-like creature roaming the countryside, killing both humans and livestock. Taylor Lautner. Yes. Okay. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> um, the creature was described as, this next person quotes, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like unto brands of fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. End <gasps> Is quote. he available? Oh, I know. Like, oh my God. Sam Zaddy. A dreamboat. Really. Um, because of the fear of this potential wolf-like creature, people were soon traveling from town to town in only large, heavily armed bands for fear of encountering the werewolf. Travelers would sometimes stumble on victims' remains in the fields, raising the level of terror even higher. Mm-hmm. When a child would go missing, the parents would immediately assume all was lost and that the wolf had taken another victim. Uh, yeah, I love I mean, that. What are you going to do? Yeah, the like parents are like, ah, Timmy went one. out to play and didn't come back. <laughs> eh, fuck it, wolf. Um, cool. Although every effort was made to try and kill the creature, it eluded capture for several years until 1589 when a group of men tracking the wolf with their hounds encircled it. When they moved in for the kill, the wolf was nowhere to be seen. They instead found Stubb, which is... The, oh. the guy there seems to be some confusion though of like whether they actually saw him transform back into being a wolf or he just happened to be traveling through the woods at this like really inopportune right. moment mm -hmm. however but probably the former I probably mean. but um the most damning piece of evidence against stub besides the fact that he was found in the same team found at the same time and place was that stub's left hand had been cut off which is the exact same injury the wolf had allegedly sustained during the capture attack Oh, stubby. Stubby, stub, literally stub. <laughs> oh. Stubby. Oh. <laughs> I, I got it. Yep. Um, another quote. Since wolf and man had the same injury, wolf and man must be one and the same. I End love quote. this voice that you're doing. This, 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 really is, my, this is my 16th century Germany voice. Um, either way, no matter whether he was the werewolf or not. He under, was. Yeah. Duh. Under threat of torture. Stubb confessed to killing 14 children, oh. two pregnant women, and one man, including his own son. Oh, man. He said he ate of their flesh no. and ravished their bodies. Oh, my God. He also apparently had a penchant for livestock, especially lambs and baby goats. I mean, I get it. Veal is delicious, but no. Ugh, oh, that's I hate cow. veal. That's also... <laughs> I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, he told his captors that at age 12, he had made a pact with the devil, as oh, one does. Of course. Um, with Stubb sacrificing his soul in exchange for numerous worldly pleasures. Whatever that means. Well. But apparently this wasn't enough to satisfy Stubb, who was 
uh, quote, a wicked fiend pleased with the desire of wrong and destruction and inclined to blood and cruelty, end quote. Mm. So the devil gave him a magic belt that turned the farmer into a killing machine in the form of a wolf. Ooh, okay. So was it like, I'm picturing like a wrestling kind of belt, like really big buckle, yeah. like what you'd see in like Texas. Just Definitely. like flashy, but like, yeah, understated. Or maybe like a, like a solid, just like Gucci, mm. Ralph Lauren sort of like fashion piece. Sure. Who knows? Um, I said with belt in hand or waist. <laughs> so I wasn't sure like how he, how yeah. he wears his, how he chooses to wear his belt. Okay. Um, Stubb went on a spree, a killing spree, taking pleasure in the shedding of blood, eating unborn children, as well as killing and eating his own son born out of an incestuous relationship with his daughter. Oh my God. He also allegedly took a she demon as a mistress, Uh, along with a good mm -hmm. Christian woman that he seduced. Oh, so he was like playing like all sorts (laughs) of fields, you know, like good Christian daughter, she demon. Of course. He was I mean, little, you got to have your options. He's a ladies' man. Um, that's that's not great. Um, Stubb apparently loved his secret life of being a werewolf and took great pleasure in walking through the streets of Bedburg, greeting the families and friends of his victims, none of which were aware that he was a homicidal maniac werewolf. That's the worst. I know. Like, what Just keep ass. it to yourself. Yeah, really. Uh, during And also during these outings, he would sometimes pick out his next victim and whatever means by whatever means he could, he would get them out into the fields where he would ravish and brutally murder them. <sighs> Wait, okay, so are we saying that the devil turned him into a werewolf? Basically gave him the powers. So basically okay. he sold his soul and was like, in order for worldly riches, whatever that means. Sure. But then on top of that, he was like, no, but I want more power. I want to like, like, wreak more havoc. And the devil's like, okay, here's this magic accessory. Mm-hmm. Um, just like belt it. <laughs> cinch it. Cinch that waist, honey. And you can turn into werewolf and you can murder a bunch of people in the... the Name of Satan. Oh, I had no idea. I know. I yeah. Who knew? Cool. Um. <laughs> now we get a little gross. So because we weren't already. I know. No, this is bad. So for Stubbs' alleged crimes, it's also it happens to him. So it's fine. For his alleged crimes, he was ordered to have his body laid on a wheel, and with red hot burning pincers in ten several places, have the flesh pulled off <gasps> from his bones. Oh my God. After that. His legs and arms would be broken with a wooden axe or hatchet, and his head would be cut off. Germany! Lastly, his carcass would be burnt to ashes. Uh, 16th century, what are you doing? I think it sounds like they really wanted to get the demon I mean, like, I get it. Like, you were being a dick. Yeah. Wow. Probably fucking deserved it, Peter. Okay. Peter, Peter, children eater. Nice. His no, daughter. Keep that in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> his daughter, Beale Stubb, and his. What? Uh, yeah, Beale. Okay. Beale Stubb yep. and his mistress, Catherine Trump, Trumpin, I wonder if that was the good Christian woman, mm-hmm. were also put, um, were also burned at the stake as accessories to the murders. Oh my God. I know, especially if, if, that's, a da- if that's a daughter that he had an incestuous relationship with, there was no way that was consensual. Ergo, no. Like, just like. What the fuck did they have to do with it? Apparently they, they, they helped out in some way, but. Okay, but no, that's bullshit. Like, leave it to, like, history to, like, punish women for men's wrongdoings. Obviously. So, now we get into some, like, interesting sort of, like, facts that might... We're going to hit you with some facts. Yes. Woo! 
Um, geography, religion, and politics also worked against Stubb in this case. He was living in an era of werewolf hysteria in, in both Germany and France that reached its height in the 1590s. In these times of chaos, people usually blame strange occurrences as well as common misfortunes on the supernatural and usually looked for the most outcast and least well-connected person in town to be used as a scapegoat. scapegoat. Well, they probably ate that scapegoat. Okay. Am I right? Mm-hmm. No, just keep going, please. In Stubbs' case, it's likely that his being a Protestant in the area was at the time being held by Catholic forces that made him a target. So basically he was, there's a chance that he was persecuted because he was a Protestant in a Catholic region. Sure. But like also because he was a murderer. I mean, he literally admitted to these crimes. It's not like he was like that railroaded. Okay. Perfect. Um, however, it's worth exploring that whether Stubb was actually a werewolf or not, or if he was just in fact a serial killer who believed himself to be a werewolf. I mean, both are bad. Both Neither are, are real good, bad, but this is interesting. Okay. So for thousands of years, straight back to the epic poem of Gilgamesh, um, humans have believed in uh, lycanthropy. Okay. A fancy term for the act of becoming a werewolf. Mm-hmm. In the 1500s, there were a number of trials for people accused of being werewolves with most of the proceedings ending in the accused being put to death. But even at the time, among the educated, the idea of lycanthropy, lycanthropy, whatever, was beginning to be understood as psychologically based. Five years before Stubb was put to death, the writer Reginald Scott, in his book Discovery, spelled D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-I-E, uh-huh. so you know that it's his ancient times, Discovery of Witchcraft, I want to find this book, he argued that lycanthropia is a disease, not a transformation. In Stubbs' case, it's possible he was suffering from clinical lycanthropy. The diagnosis is thought to be a cultural manifestation of schizophrenia and associated with bouts of psychosis, hallucinations, disorganized speech, and grossly disorganized behavior. Yeah, that's kind of sad. If, it is. Yeah, okay. I mean, he was still a fucking yeah, dick who, like, clearly. murdered. But I mean, like, if you people. think about it, like, in that time, I'm sure there people did not understand mental health issues so. i mean people barely understand mental health issues now so. very true so i i mean i can see how maybe one would spiral out yes um there's also a documented case from the, ni- the 1970s in which a 49 year old woman after having sex with her husband suffered a two-hour episode during which she growled scratched and gnawed at the bed oh wow um this is all from a, a, according to an article in the american journal of psychiatry the woman later said that the devil came into her body and she was transformed into an animal. This is just one of the instances in which the woman had a lycanthropic episode, although apparently there was no drug in- involvement or alcoholic intoxication in her body. It's important to say. Um, the article states that people experience lycanthropy within their internal fears exceeding their coping mechanisms, and they externalize those fears via projection and can constitute a serious threat to others. I mean... I mean, that's really scary. Yeah. Um, The article goes on to say that throughout the ages, such individuals have been feared because their tendencies to commit bestial acts and were themselves hunted and killed by the populace. Many of these people were paranoid schizophrenics. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, it is tough. Apparently like, cause like you hear these stories, it's like, Oh, it's a werewolf. It's a werewolf, which like, who knows? Maybe he truly did sell his soul to the devil and turn into a werewolf. Right. Maybe he also was a paranoid schizophrenic. Right. Like, like maybe he needed some medication that was not available yeah. to him. I think we've talked about this on the pot on this podcast that it always bums me out when you hear those stories about like a, a killer or whatnot. And like, it always comes down to them being mentally ill or schizophrenic. And it's right. like, well, maybe they just like needed help. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, like 
apparently a lot of people lost their lives because of this and you can't just be like well oh, yeah. it wasn't his fault <laughs> i don't know uh, yeah, yeah. um it's not just wolves that suffer from clinical lycanthropy um or sorry, it's not just the, the concept of turning into wolves. Um, in many of these cases, uh, there have also been patients who believe that they've turned into sharks, leopards, elephants, or eagles. Sharks is, that's good. Yeah. Uh, in pre 20th century Europe, it made sense though, that the wolf was the most feared animal of choice for someone who was suffering from this sort of disorder. Since wolves were a large threat that could wipe out a farmer's entire livestock and thus their entire livelihood. That was apparently a, a major fear in this time, um, as well as being easily known to kill humans, mostly children. Uh, for example, in a three-month period in central Sweden between December 1820 and March 1821, there were 31 wolf attacks, resulting in 12 deaths. All the fatalities all the fatalities except one were children, and it was believed that only a single wolf was the cause of this. Oh, wow. Deaths, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, so apparently, like... That's why it's important to like paint this picture of like not only was a time of like political and social fear, like apparently wolves were like a real threat. Yeah, I'm glad that's not um, an issue that we usually have in New York City. No, not too many wolves around these parts. Just some wolves of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> Go home. Yeah. <laughs> The story is almost over because I need to be stopped. Cool. Um, the truth behind Stubb's story, like many of the others who might have suffered from these similar conditions and fates, remains lost to history because um, we'll never really know what happened because it was like 500 years ago. Um, but following Stubb's execution, the wheel on, on which he was tortured and killed was attached to a high pole and left on public display in Bedburg as a uh, Continual monument to all ensuing ages and an image of a wolf and a likeness of the farmer was secured above basically to, as a warning to all future werewolves or serial killers to be like, this is what's going to happen to you if mm. you act out in Cute. such a manner. And that's a story of the werewolf of Bedberg. I mean, it sounds like we have a pretty horrific serial killer on mm -hmm. our hands and some people who wanted to kind of explain that away with something that's, in no like being a werewolf is less scary to me than you just being a terrible human who's killing people left and right oh yeah i mean i think this was like back in the the good time good old times where someone was like i'm a witch i'm a werewolf and people would be like it must be true as opposed to now they're like you can go to like the psych ward or uh -huh. people just like right up it's crazy so who knows right i mean either way like it doesn't it, like either way that that's really terrifying mm -hmm. and like i can't i can't imagine living like living in a town knowing that like people are just being picked off. Yeah. I mean like, okay, like might as well move in groups and like, oops, there's like a child's mutilated corpse. Yeah. Like that's fucking real. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Mm, Ugh, I loved that. Like I, I've been wait like I've, I wanted to do like vampires so many times. Yeah, you should. But like, again, it just gets, it gets so creepy because there are a few cases of like quote unquote real life vampires that are just like, crazy fucking men who are like sucking the blood of their victims mm -hmm. like thinking that it's giving them strength when actually they're just insane murderers just again, like taking horrible horrible lives. horrible people. yeah so like it's not as fun as i would hope it would be being <laughs> the fan of buffy the vampire slayer that i am yes um i loved that though thank you it was yeah it was fun to yeah i wanted to do a little 
detour. Yeah, something different. Of, yeah, we've been doing a lot of murder. I mean, this still had a lot of murder in it, which is my favorite. Um, but <laughs> but something back to the supernatural. Absolutely. Since this is, that's kind that's of That's kind of our So basically thing. I wanted to go back to the original concept of this podcast. Right. I mean, like this podcast, which is called Resting Witch Face, and we talked about witches literally once. Once or twice. Twice. Great. Um, well, on that note, should we just complain a little yeah, bit? Yeah, please. Okay, Take great. it away. So my complaint this week is about my own name. Hi. It's really? Ba- it's Bailey. Um, yes. And I will explain further. I don't think that I have like a particularly complicated or weird name, um, uh-uh. but I only get like one of three responses when I say my name to people. Um, one of them being like, oh, like the Irish cream. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And they're like, do you like that? Do you like, do you, do you like drinking that? And I'm like, I, yeah, I guess like it's fine. It's like good, but my, I'm not even Irish. So I don't, I don't know where my parents got this name. Um, the second thing being people think that Bailey is my last name oh. and that Bennett is my first name. Like Miranda Bailey. Yes. From Grey's Anatomy. You don't, you don't yes. Watch that show. Sure. Um, but the last and most egregious being when like, I cannot tell you the number of times that when I tell people what my name is, they just tell me, oh, that's my dog's name. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> like, and I get it. A lot of dogs are named Bailey. Uh, in fact, when I was in fifth grade, um, I had a boyfriend <gasps> who like, I think he had a crush on me for like a couple years, um, maybe from like third through sixth grade. And he, he was really into me, which is confusing because I definitely didn't speak speak to him or anyone of the male sex um, because I was too busy reading and being a loser. Um, But he apparently adopted a dog during this time when we were dating. And did he name it Bailey? Uh, Absolutely. Was it a male? Of course. (laughs) And that's kind of, uh, you know, I can never really shake that. (laughs) I, I, I understand. I would be pretty shooketh as well. Yeah. So there's just like a lot of male dogs out there named Bailey. There's a lot of Irish cream also bearing my name. Um, and it's just like come up a few times recently where I'm like, like can you just like, can you not? Can you not? Um, so that was just my little complaint this week, I guess. I think you can relate. Um, I can. Trant. Trant. Yeah. Gurnt. <laughs> so what, what Bailey is, is referencing is the, the, Endless struggle of trying to say my name at Starbucks, um, f- for which I have gotten. Sometimes I get Grant, right? Sometimes I get Graham, which mm-hmm. I get. That's that's actually been my whole life. Is mm-hmm. I say my name because I also don't usually pronounce the T. I'll say like, "Oh, my name is Grant." Mm-hmm. So you're like, "Oh, Graham?" Like, no, Grant. Right. Um, I also so I've gotten Graham. I've gotten Sam. I've gotten Brent. Mm-hmm. Brad. <laughs> and then my favorites are Grand G R A N D. And Drant, D-R-A-N-T. Yes, Drant. Yeah. Which is, yes, of course, that's a very common name. Yeah. Just like making up names, like not even going for like, because there's sometimes people be like, oh, like my name is like, like, like Bailey and they write like B-A-I-L-E-E or yeah. something like weird. Like they write like, didn't you get Belly once? Yeah, I got Belly. I've gotten Paley. <laughs> just like never going for like the, the, oh God. It was just like for two people who don't have like that weird names. It's just... No, that's that is a complaint that I I also just don't like my name I for like a lot name. of reasons. Yeah, most people do until it, it is your name. Right. It's also hard because it's like 
my whole life, all I wanted was a nickname. Mm. And it was like, there's not really much you can make out of Grant. And there's not really much you can make out of Bailey. Yeah. You can be like, like hey. B or, ugh. Yeah, people um, call me that sometimes. And then I learned in my teens that I was actually going to be named Alexander. But like, my parents, so many people have that name. I know, but my parents specifically chose to name me Grant because they did not want me to have a nickname. I was like, well. <laughs> oh, no nicknames for you. you. Okay. Um, but that's not my complaint of the week, although that is a good complaint. I want to complain about, it's kind of a dual complaint. First is that when, when singers, songwriters, whoever, record songs in which they hit notes that they can't hit live. Mm-hmm. Because if you are hitting an impressive note on a recording, Lord knows your fans are going to want to hear it. Oh, yeah, we are. We are expecting that. We're expecting it. We're looking forward to it. And I understand that you can't hit it every time. And sometimes, you know, just because you can hit a note doesn't mean you should. And it's important to option down or whatever. Like, pick an alternate note. I get that. But right. if you do it every single time. And like, like, why is it in the song in the first place? So, like, I'm just using it. Use this as an example. Wow, I slurred my words. Use this, use this as an example. Okay. Um, is that I love Kesha. I love her song, Praying. It's one of my favorite songs of the past, like, year or two like an amazing amazing song like great message beautiful beautifully written beautifully sung and that whistle tone note she hits is clear as day and it's gorgeous and yeah. it's stunning and it's like the peak of the song yeah. but every time she sings it live she can't she doesn't do it mm-hmm. which i understand it's like that's really yeah, especially it's like a high risk and it's under pressure and it's live but then it's also like maybe that shouldn't be the song that you like base your whole album around as you like are promoting it because then like i don't know it's not, it's a kind of a weird complaint. No, but. but I get it because I think like, I think a lot of artists that the voice on their album isn't necessarily what they can do live. Yeah. And it's like kind of crazy to me because there are so many talented singers out there who have like never gotten a record deal. And then there are a lot of singers who have gotten a record deal who actually like can't hit a lot mm-hmm. of the notes in their songs. So people tune them for them. Mm-hmm. And then like when you can't pull it off live, it's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. So my, my dual part of it is kind of related. I'm actually going to use Kesha as an example again. <laughs> but I love Kesha. She's a bad bitch. <laughs> Sorry, and like, no. I love her so much. And it's actually, it, she just happens to fit in this example, is that when singers are performing their singles live for like the first time, or even like close to the first time, and they make like melody changes or like... I hate that. It's so annoying. I'm like, I came here for the song that I know. Mm-hmm. So... For this example, the number of times, because I've, I've watched Kesha sing praying numerous times. So as we know, the the opening line is, uh, you almost had me fooled. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sing it to the mic right now. Ooh. But she often, when she says it live, she says, well, you almost had me fooled. Like she like. Oh, that's weird. I also just changed keys as I did it. It's okay. Um, which is, I think, later what the melody does. But it's almost like, I think it's also like she can't hit the low notes either. Oh. So, but like, I've seen Lady Gaga do it. I've seen Demi Lovato do it. I've seen Miley Cyrus do it. Like, all these bitches that I fucking love. And I think they're amazing singers. I'm also just kind of like, we're like, or, or if, because also sometimes the, the changes they do to the melodies are actually better than what the original recording is. In right. which case, it's like, maybe you should have done that in the first yeah. place. Well, what I, what I try to think about is like, these people are performing these songs so many times. Like when they're on like a national tour, they're doing this every night or every other night. That's a good point. And I think like part of the reason is maybe they're just doing it to like keep themselves excited about the music and like trying yeah. new things, which yeah. I think is totally fine. But I, I, there are like, 
when you've listened to a song like hundreds of times and you know it and you love it and you can't wait to see it live and then it just doesn't sound like how you expected. It's just, yeah. It's, it's frustrating. Just, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I'm a purist. I'm a perfectionist. I'm just like, do it the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I'm just a Kesha purist. So Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Who knew until this, this current moment? <laughs> I feel like we, <laughs> you like really outdid yourself last week with with complaining and this well, yeah, week, I we're can't. just like I mean yeah I guess I can talk about like my name <laughs> <laughs> I mean after my complaint last week it's like I should never complain about anything ever again no I'm but, st- I'm like but still you recovering. will and you should obviously and that's the nature of this podcast that's why mm-hmm. we that's why we're here we're here to complain we're here to tell you scary stories yeah <sighs> well thanks for tuning in yeah. to episode 25 for those of you whether this is your first time listening LOL. Or if you've been with us since the beginning, we, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, please be sure to rate review and subscribe. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RWF podcast, as well as you can contact us via email at RWF podcast at gmail.com. Thanks everyone. See Yay. you next week. Bye, Bye bitches. bitches.